0: Anybody notice how I snuck this second Styrofoam plane out? Waited till the kids were gone. I knew if I put out both, I would would lose my incentive for taking notes this week. (laughs) Those are—I saw those. I thought, wow, same price as everything else. It's a marvelous thing about the dollar store. uh, Joan, and I—we check this book out of the library. We pick books and we read out loud on occasion to each other. and this is, this is a book out of our library called Good Broth to Warm Our Bones. It's about Wycliffe missionaries in in uh, Alaska around 1960, give or take that year, with the Inupiat Indians. And, and it's kind of funny because it's about that, but at this point they're in some place in Mexico I can't pronounce and don't want to pretend. But But they learned something about translation that was really helpful for them, and I thought it applied kind of... Directly to what we're doing in Revelation. So I thought I'd start with this. He's he's talking about languages and translation. He says, for example, in a number of languages spoken here in Mexico, the word sheep is used to mean more than the noun. One language uses the word sheep in reference to someone who doesn't understand. Speakers in another language use the word to mean someone with long hair. Uh, For yet another language, sheep means a drunkard who when hit does not yell. In still another language, the people talk of one who hangs around waiting for girls or follows girls as sheep. (laughs) I can understand every single one of those. Uh, Therefore, when you translate such verses as John 1.29, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, it is imperative that the people who read these words understand the meaning of the word lamb (laughs) okay so uh, that is I thought that was really you know uh, when you talk about understanding scripture we we first sometimes need to translate and then interpret or apply We, we need to take two steps and especially when we're looking at something like revelation where there's so many graphic word pictures and especially when we're in revelation 13 and we read this then I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it spoke like a lion. So it had two hairs, or two horns like a long-haired person. <laughs> no, it's, we, we, we want to know what lamb means before, before we do this. So what we have here, we're, we're, we're continuing on, the next beast comes out. Because when we think of Revelation, we're, we're familiar with the, the dragon and the beast, but we, we can get trapped up and not realize there's a second beast here. And it's this whole unholy trinity thing going. This second beast looks like a lamb, but speaks like a a dragon. He exalts the beast and he enforces his will. And as the the Satan works through the Antichrist, so the Antichrist has this agent or mediator or prophet, whatever you want to call him, who does his work for him. Uh, and, And this is this second beast. And this beast will deceive the people of the earth. I don't want to sneeze into this microphone. (laughs) That would not be good. Um, Instead of doing this, I should be doing this. Um, Okay, the message for God's people is very clear. Don't be deceived. Okay, so first, just verse 11 Uh, the, the beast's lamb. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, and it speaks like a dragon. So it looks like a lamb, it speaks like a dragon. And, and we need to understand this lamb. First of all, what about these two horns? Because we've been looking at the horns of the beast and the horns of the dragon, and we're looking at kingdoms and realms and all these things. What do the two horns of the lamb represent? And I'm going to say probably not much. <laughs> because what we have is the lamb contrasted to the dragon. Uh, and, and I think that's the point he's making. This cute little, looks like a harmless little lamb. He's got the two little cute horns like a lamb. But he speaks like a dragon, and I think that's the contrast. I don't think the horns mean anything else. I could be wrong on that. It wouldn't be the first time. But, but I think all he's saying is this thing is surprisingly harmless in appearance. Right? It is, it is, it is not scary. But we want to talk about the, the lion and the lamb. Uh, we have a greater contrast, the dragon and the lamb. You want to talk about wolves in sheep's clothing. It's Matthew 7:15, where Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And we find this is what is being talked about, only instead of a wolf, it's a dragon that is being represented. Uh, there are other passages that give the same warning. I'm going to look at just a few. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, and, and we're going to find this is this is not, you know, like I, I keep saying, you know, it's written about then, but it's for today. This one screams out of the pages that it's for today. Uh, it's, it's not something I really need to say a whole lot about other than share what the verses say. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15 say this, uh, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And we find Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Of course his servants do that also. And that's followed up by by Galatians chapter 1, which is just... You know, two pages to the right, where, where Paul, Peter is, or Paul is speaking, and he says, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. He says, Even an angel of light, and he says, let him be accursed twice. If you have a, a Bible with a slightly different version, it might say, let him be condemned twice. Twice, and I want to tell you, in the nicest, most biblical, pastor-approved way, he's saying, let them be damned, right? Sent to hell, that's what he's saying. There's no, there's no mixing on this. There's no, he, he is really strong on what he's saying. This is wrong, this is bad. These are people who come in, they claim to represent God, even angels who claim to represent God, but they do not. And they are giving false messages. Second John chapter seven, or chapter seven. Second John has one chapter. If you can find chapter seven, you're in the wrong Bible. Okay. Second uh, John verse seven, uh, seven and eight says this. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so you do not lose what you have worked for, but may receive a full reward. Flip one page to the right now, and we're in the book of Jude. Jude verse 4. For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. He speaks speaks like a lamb, but what is going on? He is presenting himself as if he is a lamb. He's presenting himself as if he is a spokesman of God. He masquerades as a spokesman of God. What does that mean? He will be religious. He will, I would, if, if I was to bet, and, and there's no way you could collect on this, <laughs> so maybe it'd be a safe bet, I would bet this guy's going to claim to be a Christian. I, he's going to, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's what we would call clergy, Right? And he's going to step forth and proclaim things on behalf of the Antichrist that tr- are, he's trying to present him as Christ. And we looked at last week, they had the, the beast and, and the horns, and they had blasphemous things written on their names. Well, what are the blasphemies? It's the name of the dragon. He speaks like a dragon, but he looks like a lamb. And so he is, he is looking like one thing. Uh, I, I wouldn't stake a whole lot on it, but I, I would suspect he's going to call himself a Christian. He will claim to be speaking God's will, but he will actually be speaking the devil's. And while we, we don't normally have one-verse sermons here, and we won't today either, but if, if you want to talk about a verse I could camp out on, <laughs> this is it. About false prophets, about those who claim to speak for God but do not, because they are many. Uh, John says in in, in 2 John that they have gone out from among us There are many who are doing this This was true in that day in the first century It's so much more true today And they are out there and they are speaking lies in Jesus' name And somehow people are deceived And the whole message of this sermon The whole point you walk away with is Do not allow yourself to be deceived Do not let it happen Uh, Because while I am here saying these things Right? While I'm saying these things, there are preachers in, God, in, in churches who claim to be speaking for God who are endorsing today every kind of sexual perversion out there. Right. And they're saying, but God loves you, and so those things that sound like he's condemning that action, it's not really there because he's a God of love. And they're making it up as they go, and they're proclaiming lies while they claim to be God's speakers. There are speakers in churches today who claim to speak for God while saying, the Bible is not true. I had a pastor once who said he was in a church one, once where the pastor took and threw the Bible down on the floor behind him and said, this book gets in my way. And I thought, you know, it really does. <laughs> it gets in my way all the time. <laughs> but you don't throw it away for that. You change your way, Right. That's, it's designed to get in our way. I mean, that's one of the things the Bible does. It does get in our way, but you don't throw it away. You change your way. There are preachers in church today, who, and I mean today, in, in America today, not in some far-off land, but in America today, who claim to be speaking for God and deny Jesus Christ. They say, they say you, don't, you, you, you can go to heaven with Jesus, but there's other ways. You don't need Jesus to go to heaven. And it's like, I don't understand. What part of Christian do you not understand? You're making up the title. You're coming up with new words to describe what you are, and they're wrong. And this is what this lamb is doing, and he's simply going to be one of them. He's just going to be better at it, right? He's going to be really good at it, and he's going to deceive all sorts of people. He looks like a lamb. He speaks like a dragon. He will look innocent, meek, humble, and gentle, and he will speak. He will proclaim blasphemies and lies, That's who this lamb is. Okay, what will he do? Verses 12 through 17, he will serve as a prophet of the beast. Back in Revelation 13, verses 12 through 17, it exercises all the authority of the first beast in in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. It also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast of the number of its name this calls for wisdom Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man the number is six 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 okay so it will serve as a prophet of the beast first thing it's going to do is it exercises authority on behalf of the beast very often if we're looking for someone to be a type of the Antichrist we look in recent history we fall on Adolf Hitler right and everybody knows the name Adolf Hitler but if you are a student of World War II at all, there's some other names that would jump out at you. He's the one we remember. He's the one who gave the speeches. He was the dynamic leader. He was the, the key figure, but he had other speakers, other, other people who spoke authoritatively on his behalf and acted authoritatively. You might recognize the name Joseph Goebbels or Gebel. I don't know how to pronounce these German names. <laughs> Hermann Göring, Heinrich Himmler, right? And, and I remember as a kid thinking I just heard wrong. There's a Himmler and a Hitler? <laughs> uh, what are these people? They are people who exercise. And which ones, by the way, if you lived in Nazi Germany, guess which ones were more scary? It wasn't Hitler who scared you. It was these guys who scared you. They were the henchmen of Hitler. They were the right-hand men who exercised authority on his behalf, and he didn't have to get his hands dirty directly, right? Guess what the lamb is going to do on behalf of the beast? He is going to be these guys. He is going to be uh, for the beast what these men were for Hitler. He's sometimes called the beast's prophet. He can also be seen as the beast's enforcer. Uh, in, in many ways, I think he is going to be much more sinister and evil than the beast himself, and, but he's the lamb. He looks like a lamb. He merely speaks like a dragon. He makes the inhabitants of the earth worship the beast. I like it. He makes the inhabitants. Right? And by the signs that, that it, uh, oh, verse 13, it performs great signs. It, I'm sorry. Verse 12. It exercises all the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the beast. And by make, I mean compel. Right? Some people will be deceived, some people will be persuaded, but some will go through and do the acts of worship of the beast regardless of what they think because they are feeling they are under compulsion. They will say, what choice do I have? Right? That's what they're going to come out, come out and do. The beast won't have to say, worship me. The beast won't come out and say, everybody who doesn't say Heil Hitler is going to be thrown in prison. He doesn't have to do it. He simply goes out and everybody does it because everybody knows the lamb there will know if they don't, right? Everybody knows the beast is going to be clean-fingered or clean-handed. His fingerprints won't be on it, but he will be behind it. The devil will be behind it. The mention of the wound that was healed, I think, is not incidental. I don't think it's accidental. Then I saw, it exercises the authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. I think that is mentioned because it is key to what is going to happen. I, I would suspect, again, if I, was to, if I was to predict how this is going to play out, and I don't know how it's going to play out, but if I was predicted, I would say this, this beast with the wound that, that, that is healed is going to be three days in Whatever. (laughs) You know, three days in hiatus, three days in limbo, three days in apparent death. And he's going to come forth. And the lamb... This, this false lamb is going to step forward and proclaim, Behold, your Messiah. Remember 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the one, the one who comes with all manner of deception so that he takes his place in on on, on the temple, seats himself in the temple, proclaiming himself to be God. He is going to have a spokesman there on his behalf. It's going to be this lamb, this false prophet. Okay? Uh, he, is, he is going to do what is wrong. I think it's going to be a key part of his message. And, and they... They, but they won't worship Him the way we worship Christ. We come in and we sing praise songs. And not always, because sometimes, sometimes. let's be honest, sometimes your brain is over here while your mouth is doing this. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm the only one. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I suspect I'm not. But, you know, but sometimes, your whole heart is in it. You know, sometimes... It is your heart expressing worship to Christ. That's not going to happen here. That's not going to happen here. You know what? There is a lot of falseness going on here. The lamb will be false. He is a false lamb. The the miracles he will do, they'll they'll be miracles of some sort, but they will be false miracles. Uh, The worship will also be false. Some of it will be excitement. You know, that whole mob mentality takes over and everybody gets excited and joins in and kill the beast. You know, that, no, they won't say that, will they? <laughs> different different movie. <laughs> uh, but there will be that, that excitement. Some of it will be fear. I'd better do this or else. Uh, for some, it will simply be the cost of doing business. But few people will actually worship the beast uh, but but that's what he's going to do so first thing he's going to do is he's going to going to be the enforcer he's going to make people worship the beast he's going to perform great signs verse 13 it performs great signs even making fire come down from heaven in front of the people uh, that's kind of impressive that's the sign of Elijah that's the sign of the two prophets that we have in front of the temple. If anyone tries to slay them, here's how they will kill them. They will, fire will come out of their mouths and will consume them. That's what it told us. We read that a few weeks ago. It's the sign of the two prophets. You know, think of Pharaoh's wizards. You know, uh, Moses came down and he, he uh, threw down his rod and it became a snake. And they threw down their rods and they became snakes. They were able to duplicate the first, I don't remember, three or four of, of Moses' miracles that he did. They were able to duplicate the miracles. They looked as miraculous as Moses, aside from that he had a hungrier snake, (laughs) which was kind of cool. But uh, uh, these these guys are able, he's able to do these things. He is really able to do these things. Somehow, verse 15, uh, and it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain right? Uh, what is going on here? You know, all I can think of is, is this is going to have to be really sophisticated, because we live in a sophisticated age. We have watched David Copperfield make the Statue of Liberty disappear, right? Wow. We're used to things like that. We have seen Marvel movies, <laughs> you know, with, with Captain America and the Hulk and, and Iron Man and Spider-Man and Aquaman, wait, he's not, he's the other comics, <laughs> all the supermans, you know, the, the, we, we see these things, and they're really well done these days, you know, once upon a time, if they made something like that, it looked, the, the, the only word you know how to describe it is hokey, right, you go, oh, look at the strings, <laughs> here comes the Hulk, <laughs> you know, and today we look at the Hulk, and we go, wow, he looks like the Hulk. You know, he looks like he can do these things. And, and we, but we are sophisticated. We're not easily deceived, I don't think. But this thing that he does is going to look real. It's going to look so impressive that the whole world gasps and goes, oh, the, let's worship the beast because he did this. How did he do this? And, and, and in our sophisticated world, it's go, I don't know what he's going to do or how he's going to do it, but it will be very convincing, this, this giving apparent life to the image of the beast. And then the part that catches everybody's imagination, the mark of the beast. Verse 16, 17, and 18. Also it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, the number is six, six, six. 6. Uh, no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark of the beast or the number of the beast. First thing I want to say is that you want to know about this is, is, is you want to know that it's been done before. If you're not familiar with Roman history or church history, you, you, you might be unfamiliar with this, but there's something called a libelous. That's the plural. Oh, the plural is libeli see, you know, to, to, to We hear the word libelous, we think slander and libel, it's not like that. It, it's the name of a formal document. In the Roman Empire, uh, libelous was any brief document on which in, written on an individual page, uh, as opposed to scrolls or tablets, uh, particularly official documents issued by government authorities. The term libelous has particular historical significance uh, for the liboli that were issued during the reign of Emperor... They pronounced it. They wrote something where It's Decius. Is how we we call this guy. Uh, to uh, to certify the performance of required pagan sacrifices, in order to demonstrate loyalty to the authorities of the Roman Empire. Forty six such cer- certificates have been published. When it says they all dating back to the year two hundred and fifty, which was the year of Decius. Now, what that means when it says forty six have been published, it doesn't mean forty six have been found. Means they published 46, which is a tremendous number of official documents from 1800 years ago, right? How many official documents that you have do you expect to be around 1800 years from now, right? It's a, it's a tremendous, large, tremendously large number. They all I think came from one storehouse that they found, uh, and, and at some point you go, you know, what? Well, hey, what'd you find there? Oh, it's just another libelous. You gonna publish it? Why? Why would I publish another one? It's been done. It's been done to death. There's 46 of these things. What do you want? 47? You know, it's like, why would I bother publishing? They found more. They they, they found. They I think they said thousands, uh, but but uh, they published 46. Uh, participating in pagan sacrifices was a sin for Christians and was punishable by excommunication, uh, because the New Testament uh, forbade Christians to participate in idol feasts. However, participating in one. Not participating in, in one. The, the pagan feast led you to be potential for arrest. At various times under Roman rule, failure, failure to sacrifice was punishable by death. So it worked like this. When you went into town, you went through the main... You know, we have way we have, uh, stations, right? It was essentially a way station outside of town that if you wanted to buy or sell, you had to go in and get your certificate. Okay, they didn't weigh your, your rig or check it for safety measures, Right? They didn't do those kind of things, but they made sure you had, had your paperwork showing you had made your, your, your sacrifices and gone through the motions, and then they would give you the stamp, and you could go in, and you could buy and sell. This happened. This, this, this is not merely future. They have copies. Here is a copy translated of one of these libeli. To the officers in charge of the sacrifices of the village of Alexander's Isle, from Aurelius Diogenes, the son of Satibus of the village of Alexander's Isle, aged 72, with a scar on his right eyebrow. <laughs> Got to identify the guy, they didn't have photographs. Uh, I have always sacrificed to the gods, and now in your presence, according to the commands, I have sacrificed and made a libation and tasted of the victims, and I desire you to subscribe, fare you well. I, Aurelius Diogenes, have delivered this. There's some missing words. In the first year of Imperator Caesar, Caius Messius Quintus, Trajanus Decius, Pius Felix Augustus, on Epiphi II, which means June 26th of the year two hundred and fifty. And this was his certificate, that with the certificate, he could go into town and he could buy and sell. And they'd come in and they'd say, do you have your paperwork in order? Here's my paperwork. Yes, I see that. Okay. And you would do business. And if you didn't have the paperwork, either you didn't do business or you were on the black market and subject to arrest yourself. And so when we talk about the mark of the beast and we we hear this, it's chilling to know this happened before. And guess what happened to Christians in 250 A.D.? Some were killed, some were arrested, some had goods confiscated, and some compromised. What do you do? Later on, they had to figure out, what are we going to do with these Christians who compromised? What's the application of this passage? This calls for wisdom. Wow. He's going to make them take the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is that done on a worldwide scale. And we all know that the technology to do this with something implanted in your right hand or in your forehead is, is absolutely simple today. If you have a cell phone <laughs> with GPS, duh, <laughs> you, know, uh, everything, you know what it, what it can do right you know what it can do well these are going to be implanted chips you just go and you get your hand done and now you can buy and sell and so you go into Walmart and part of your paying for your goods is running your hand over it. and if you don't have a right hand you got to do this and stick your head down there maybe they come up and scan your head <laughs> something that's all it's going to be that's all as complicated as it's going to be but if they scan and it comes up with a beep 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 or error message or something like that you don't buy and sell and probably they call the cops on you this calls for wisdom. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You know, government officials often try to call, c- control religion in very similar ways to this, as it's a way of controlling the people. Right? In Rome, you had to make this sacrifice. That the, the Roman emperor approved sacrifice, and I've heard that they, he, at some point he was making you sacrifice to his horse, worship his horse, uh, very often the, the emperor himself had to be worshipped. I don't know under Decius exactly what the, the deal was going on there, but they, they try to use it as a way of controlling the people. If we can control the religion, we can control the people. What do the communist governments do? Co- Historically, the communist governments have tried to enforce atheism, wiping out religion whether Christianity or Islam or whatever other religions there are they want to wipe them out and enforce atheism and if they can get everybody to be atheists then they feel they've got control of the people and then the people who refuse to become uh atheists are considered outlaws Islamic countries go preach Christ in Saudi Arabia for as long as you can videotape it cuz you won't run out of battery <laughs> you know You won't be able to do it long because they do not allow it because they have control of their religion as well as control of everything else and having control of religion helps you. India, according to Pastor Daniel, the the current leader of India wants to change the name to Hindustan and only allow worship of, of the Hindu pantheon to be allowed and Christianity won't be allowed and Islam won't be allowed. It'll only be Hindus. What is it? What we're talking about today, that people are really doing today, what people really have done in the past, is going to be done then simply on a larger scale. Simply on a larger scale. The lamb lamb is the one who's going to make it happen. This false lamb. That's the false lamb. That's the beast's enforcer. That's what he does. That's who he is. Now, what is the message for God's people in the middle of this? 14, 18, this calls for wisdom. Wisdom. Uh, now, if you're not careful, you're going to say, this calls for wisdom, the number of the beast is 666, and that's the name of his number, and, and we're supposed to recognize that. I'm sorry, that doesn't call for wisdom, that just calls for knowledge. <laughs> if, you go, if you go stop ten people on the street today, and I don't know, I haven't actually done this, if you do, report back to me. <laughs> if you go stop ten people and say, what does the number 666 represent? Out of ten, how many people do you think are going to be able to accurately call it, they, they may not know exactly, but they'll call it satanic, or the mark of the beast, or the number of the devil, or something like that, I suspect it's going to be at least 8 out of 10, unless you go junior higher or below, because junior hires don't know anything. So I, say, <laughs> <sighs> you have, to, I have taught junior hires, okay? <laughs> they are so much fun. I love them. But they, most people are going to know. They're going to know. It, that's, that's not wisdom. That's knowledge to recognize the number of 666. What is the wisdom? The wisdom is what we do about it. The wisdom is what we do about it. It calls for wisdom because the enemy is a skillful liar. He is, he is a good liar. And if you don't know the truth, you will be easily deceived. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 again. We just keep going back to Second Thessalonians, don't we? Second Thessalonians chapter two. Verses three and then nine and 10. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three. "Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion come first, the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction." Verses 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one will be, is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. I'm sorry, I think I started too late. I want verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be very deceptive. Jesus, in his uh, on Olivet Discourse, where he's speaking prophetically of what's going to happen in Matthew 24, talks about people, Christians, being deceived. And he doesn't say they will be, but he gives a warning that they don't. Matthew 24, verses 23 and 24. And it's really fascinating to look at this in light of a lamb, a false lamb, A religious leader proclaiming, this is the Christ. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. So uh, to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. It doesn't say it is or is not possible. It just says to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Revelation 13, this calls for wisdom. This calls for wisdom, because the devil is a liar and the father of lies, and he is good at it. And if you do not know the truth, you will be deceived. Because he, this, he's, he's, this guy's going to come and he's going to call down fire. False or the, the true prophets are calling down fire. He says, if "I can call down fire," and he's going to do it. Right? He's going to give apparent life to the beast. He's going to point to to a to a beast with a head wound, to a person with a head wound who comes back to life. Calls for wisdom. If you don't know the truth, you will be deceived. He does everything good. You know, everybody else is jumping off the cliff. I think I will too because that's what everybody's going to be doing. And they're going to be worshiping this beast because this false beast, this false lamb is so good. Once again, it should be obvious when I say this is a message not just for them. This is a message for now because many deceivers and many false Christs have gone out into the world. And many people listen to them and, and are swayed and follow. And there's only one way to be protected. Okay. And, and by the way, coming to church and hearing Bible taught on Sunday is really good. But sitting at home and reading your Bible at home is really better. I don't want to say it that way. is also good. (laughs) I don't want to look out and have a bunch of empty pews because everybody's home reading their Bible (laughs) because that's good. (laughs) This is also good. There are many deceivers in the world. Don't be deceived. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for this warning. And Father, this calls for wisdom and you say if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously and without reproach and it will be given him. And Father God, we ask for that wisdom We ask for that ability to to live faithfully for you, to choose rightly, to stand for you and not be deceived. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.